Thank you for downloading and listening to the Briam Bible Church Sunday Morning Podcast. Briam Bible Church is located in Shoreline, Washington, morning worship at 11, and many more events throughout the week. For more information, please visit our website at www.bereanshoreline.org. We're going to dismiss our children to Children's Church and Children's Choir at this time. And as they are dismissed, I'm going to invite uh, Brother Ben Anderson to come up. Ben is the director of Things to Come Mission. And just a year ago, Teresa and I and uh, Alex Pierce had a chance to travel to Southeast Asia, uh, spend two weeks with them on the mission field. We had a wonderful trip. It was a real eye-opener to the work over there. And I asked Ben if he'd be able to come out sometime this year and share with us and meet with our mission board and uh, and visit their churches in the area. He just got back from five weeks? Yeah, five weeks. Five weeks Mm -hmm. in Southeast Asia. At a board meeting and another meeting he was at and uh, got in the airplane. He and Joyce. Joyce, stand up. We're over here somewhere. Aren't you, Joyce? Stand up. This is his wife, Joyce. Thank you, Joyce. She's been here, of course, for our missions conference. And I'm just so thankful. I'm, what I appreciate about Ben, among many other things, and just the fellowship we had, is his strong uh, passion and commitment to the local church. Uh, this is the theme of their work around the world, and we are just so thankful for that. So, Ben, Lord bless you. Let's have a word of prayer and uh, look forward to what God's I'll lay it on your heart today. Father, we thank you for Ben and Joyce and for bringing them with us uh, today. And we just ask our hearts will be attentive to your word as he shares with us today. And we, again, we thank you for the privilege we have of being a part of the mission work and being part of things to come mission work around the world. So I ask for your blessing upon him now in Christ's name. Amen. Amen. God bless you. Thank you. I want to start by saying thank you to all the mothers. Let me ask a question. How many of you came to know Jesus Christ in some way. Maybe your mother explained the way for you or prayed for you or encouraged you uh, to accept Christ as your Savior. Let me see a show of hands. How many of you were influenced? Wow, look at that. I think that's over half of the congregation, maybe 75%. Your mother had something to do with you coming to know Jesus Christ, and that's why we're here today. So I say thank you to all of your mother, all, all the mothers here uh, for... Uh, sharing the good news with us, and that's why we're here today. My own mother, I, I grew up on the mission field in, in the Philippines, and I remember I was about four years old. I don't remember anything else from being four years old, but I remember very clearly my mother explaining about sin, and I knew I was a sinner even at four years old. I got in plenty of trouble uh, that you get in at four years old, and that Jesus Christ wanted to take away those sins. And that he could wash me clean. And she asked me, do you want to do that? I remember saying no a few times. And then uh, one day I said yes, and I prayed with her. And then, of course, I was pretty young then. As I got into high school, I remember at a time when I needed to... I had drifted away from the Lord. My life wasn't in step with him anymore. And I, I was... Uh, we were living in Indonesia at that time. And I remember going to my mother and saying, I need to get back with the Lord. What do I need to do? What should I do? And my mother sitting with me and reading some verses to me and rededicating my life to the Lord at that time. So I deeply appreciate my mother. She's 84 years old now. She lives in Indianapolis. She also comes into the Things to Come Mission office every day. If you get any piece of mail from Things to Come Mission, it would probably, my mother handled it with her own hands. And that's how she loves the the work of the Lord and mission. So thank you very much, uh, mothers. I uh, always enjoy coming to this church, Berean Bible Church of, of Shoreline. Um, 
you are the, our big, the church that supports TCM the most is actually Shoreline. You, you have stood behind Things to Come Mission for many, many years. As I uh, speak today, you will hear about different events going on on the mission field. I don't want you to think that's what they're doing. I want you to think that's what we're doing. Mission work is a team effort. We do it together. The missionaries could not be out there on the field unless they had a strong support team behind them. Support financially, yes, but also support in uh, prayer, support in visiting, support in encouragement when they come here. Uh, I hear from our missionaries consistently that the best mission conference that they attend is the one right here in Berean Bible Church in Shoreline. And I thank you for welcoming the missionaries like that. They need to know that there is a body of believers standing behind them, praying for them, sending them out. A missionary, mission has the idea of someone who is sent out. And if someone is sent, they have to be sent by someone. And you are standing behind the missionaries that are out on the field. And I just want to thank you as the director of Things to Come Mission for standing behind our missionaries. Yes, our, our TCM missionaries, but GMI missionaries, all the missionaries that are supported by this church. I say thank you. I uh, am also privileged to be with staying with Pastor Jim and Teresa Shamaria. Uh, they did go with us to Southeast Asia last year. Let's see, what countries did we go to? Philippines, Singapore, Indonesia, and Malaysia, right? And we had our first Southeast Asia Grace Conference in Bali. Eight countries from Southeast Asia were represented and three from other parts of the world. And we had a wonderful time together. I have to, I'm sure you've heard this already, but I have to talk about Pastor Jim. At one point, he was talking about the Philippines and he called them the Philistines. And uh, <laughs> fortunately, they didn't take personal offense. They still love him and have invited him to come back again. <laughs> But uh, uh, Pastor Jim and Teresa were actually the, when I was a, a teenager, in my formative years in Minneapolis, I attended Bethesda Church, and he was the uh, pastor of Christian education, right, uh, at that church. And that was a time in my life when I really needed some spiritual direction, and I appreciate the input that they have. So the, the people like uh, Pastor Jim, who have stood the test of time and continue to minister, they give me great strength and courage in my ministry. I know that all of you have spiritual leaders in your life who've kind of taught you and brought you to where you are. And uh, he's one in my life, and I appreciate the input. And just over the years, he's consistent and continues to preach the message. And he's, uh, he has integrity in his personal life and in his ministry. And I really appreciate that. So it's a blessing to stand here in this pulpit where he preaches every Sunday. I, I, I am five weeks back from Southeast Asia I'm excited about the work of Things to Come Mission there because we are expanding. When I came on, we worked in two countries in Southeast Asia, the Philippines and Indonesia. And when I came on as director of two th in 2005, I said, if I come on, we are not going to focus just on the Philippines. We are going to go beyond the Philippines, into the regions beyond where we've already reached. And I praise the Lord he has allowed that to happen. On this trip, I visited four countries, actually the same four that you, you had visited, we have the work in Malaysia. There's a church now and there's associated Bible classes in that ministry in Malaysia. Tim and Judy Heath, were they here? I think they were here recently, weren't they? And they are heading up that work. And in the fall, you will have a mission conference and Pat and Michelle Kilgo will come. And they will 
be going to Malaysia also. He was a professor at Emory University, and they watched the movie End of the Spear about the five men who were uh, killed in Ecuador in 1956. And it's amazing. Those men died in 56. Um, and they had an impact when my parents went out to the mission field. My middle name is Nate. And I'm named after Nate Saint, who was the pilot who flew that little yellow airplane onto the sandbank there. So you can tell how that influenced them. And then to think that someone is going out next year, they will go to Malaysia and they'll go out because of the story of those men. I tell you, what an investment, what a testimony. But you'll meet them and they will be going to Malaysia to work with the Heaths to expand that work. Uh, then I went to Singapore. We don't have anything in Singapore yet. Pray for that country. Only 18% Christian. The rest are other religions, and we would love to see uh, a ministry started there. Then I went to Indonesia, and they kept me busy from morning till night every day for two weeks. There were times I preached four times in a day in different locations. That work now is uh, 74 churches in our ministry, and every major city and every major island has a Grace Church. And that, that country is the fourth largest in the world, fourth most populous. More Muslims live in Indonesia than any other country of the world. It is a strategic country. And I praise the Lord that our work there is expanding. I'll talk more about that. Then I went to the Philippines, ended up with the 55th annual conference of our churches in the Philippines. And it was right in the center of Manila. And that was exciting. My father, I used to joke that our TCM churches, you always ride the boat, then you ride a bus, then you ride a jeepney, and then you walk about 10 kilometers up the mountain, and that's where the TCM church is. And uh, this time we were right in the heart of Manila, rented a beautiful building, stained glass windows and everything, and that's where our TCM 55th conference was. And you know, you've been supporting TCM all those years. I don't know all those years. When, when was the church started here? 64, okay, we started there in 58, so, but I believe most of your years as a church, uh, you have been supporting that ministry, and again, yeah, was he, okay, Vernon Bigelow was a TCM missionary, and he worked in the Philippines, and so you are a part of that, that's an investment, and I can honestly say today, should we not be able to support the Philippines anymore, that work will continue. And they will continue to preach the grace message. They are expanding like wildfire across that country. But it was people like you who sent missionaries out who got the work started there. And that work is now just going on almost by itself. They have their own leadership. I don't tell them what to do. It's an exciting ministry. Thank you for being a part of it. I want to speak today from 1 Corinthians 3, uh, starting from verse 5. We do mission work because the Bible tells us to do mission work. This is the guide for our Christian lives. 1 Corinthians chapter 3. And this is the passage that they chose for the 55th annual conference in the Philippines. And there is a lot of truth here, and I'd like to share some of it with you. 1 Corinthians 3, 5 up to 15. And I'm reading from the NIV. What, after all, is Apollos, and what is Paul? Only servants through whom you came to believe, as the Lord has assigned to each his task. I planted the seed, Apollos watered it, but God made it grow. So neither he who plants nor he who waters is anything, but only God who makes things grow. The man who plants and the man who waters have one purpose, and each will be rewarded according to his own labor. For we are God's fellow workers, you are God's field, God's building. 
By the grace God has given me, I laid a foundation as an expert builder, and someone else is building on it. But each one should be careful how he builds, for no one can lay any foundation other than the one already laid, which is Jesus Christ. If any man builds on this foundation using gold, silver, costly stones, wood, hay, or straw, his work will be shown for what it is, because the day will bring it to light. It will be revealed with fire, and the fire will test the quality of each man's work. If what he has built survives, he will receive his reward. If it is burned up, he will suffer loss. He himself will be saved, but only as one escaping through the flames. I want to look at verse 9, and my outline comes from verse 9. For we are God's fellow workers, you are God's field, God's building. I've changed the order slightly, but uh, my first point is we are God's fellow workers, and... Uh, then my second point is God's building must be built with quality. And then where is God's field? Um, starting with we are God's fellow workers. You know, in, when Jesus was with, with his apostles, he said this, when he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. It's a tremendous privilege that God calls us his fellow workers, isn't it? I, I read this verse and it almost makes me catch my breath because here's God and here's me and there is this infinite difference between us and yet he calls us his fellow workers. And not just here, there's, there's another passage, Paul uses the exact same terminology, we are called his fellow workers. And it is an honor and privilege. Of course, I always think, yes, I'm the servant of God. I'm the child of God. God's way up there somewhere, and I'm way down here doing the work on the earth. And yet here he says he comes down and he works beside us in the ministry. And that's tremendously encouraging for me, too. Uh, someone of, like God would be willing to have me as his fellow worker. I know when I was thinking of becoming a missionary, I went to Grace Bible College for a year. And Sam Vinson was the head of the school at that time. And, of course, he was to, um, to me and still is a, a giant in the faith. You know, someone who uh, has stood the test of time and served the Lord faithfully with his whole life. And when I went to GBC, I was just a young guy. I didn't know what I wanted to do. I was kind of seeking the Lord's will. And the fact that... Uh, Dr. Vinton took a personal interest in me. He used to invite me over to his house. I had meals with him. We went out to eat together. When there was a, a big banquet of missionary leaders, he invited me there, and I sat at the table with him. And he always says, Ben, you need to be a missionary. Ben, you can do this. And the fact that someone of his stature came alongside of me and said, Ben, you can do this, it gave me a tremendous amount of encouragement that indeed I could do it. And that's what started me. I joined Things to Come Mission that year, 1984. Boy, can I be that old? 84, and it, that's 29 years in the ministry, right? That uh, Sam Vinton helped me make that decision, and I appreciate that so much. But here in the Bible, it says we are God's fellow workers. We are working beside God. God, I've often wondered why God chose us for this role. I mean, I've served the Lord my whole life, and I've wondered why he chose. We get tired, right? We get discouraged. We get distracted. We fall into sin. We, uh, 
eventually we get, we get old and weak and we can't work anymore. And yet he has still chosen us to be the ones to do this work. It would be nice to just uh, pray that the lost would be saved over there in the unreached countries. But what does it say? Paul says, I mean, uh, Jesus says, Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. God has determined that we will be his ambassadors. We must carry the message. He's not simply going to get a huge megaphone and announce it from heaven. He is going to send out humans, other believers, Christians, to go out into the world and to share the message of God among the people. That is what God has decided And whether we think it makes sense or not, it is what God has decided. And therefore, he has called us to be his fellow workers and to take his message out into the world. And that's why I am involved in mission. God is calling us. God wants us to serve him. I want to uh, talk a little bit about Central Sulawesi. Just on this trip, I went to a place in the middle of Indonesia. If you look at a map of Indonesia, there's an island that looks sort of like a spider. It's got a lot of arms on it in the middle of the country. And right about in the center of that is a town by the name of Palu. Palu is a town that has seen a lot of Muslim terrorist activity. There was a pastor shot in the church while preaching the sermon. Someone stood outside the door and shot them in the head. Uh, there were, there's been people beheaded Uh, by terrorists there. And I I had the privilege of meeting uh, a husband and wife, uh, Mr. and Mrs. Arias. They were at the market and the uh, Muslim terrorists had put a bomb in the pork section. See, Muslims aren't supposed to eat pork. So in the pork section, they put a bomb under the table. And this husband and wife, they were standing at the table facing each other and the bomb was under here. And all of a sudden it went off. And they each lost a leg, and they were in the hospital for weeks. And other people who were farther away were actually killed by the bomb, but they, because they were right next to the table, they were, their upper body was protected. And uh, dirt, while they were in there, one of our pastors, a converted Muslim named Amirudin, he went every day to visit them in the hospital and to share the love of Christ with them. And when they came out of the hospital, they accepted Jesus Christ as their Savior, They've attended church ever since. They attend a, a tribal church, but their kids attend the Grace Church in Palu. You see how God works? The Muslim terrorists intended that for harm, right? To harm Christians. To cause, perhaps, destroy Christians. What did God do? He added two people to the body of Christ. At least two. I don't know the stories of everybody else who was there, but these two, there's a Grace a Bible study in their house every single day, every single week. And it was just a blessing to sit with them, a lovely couple who loved the Lord. They invited me there. He, he paid for my lunch. Uh, it took us all out to eat, all the pastors in the region. We went out to eat with him. And just, uh, 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 just an example of what Christian living is in spite of the difficulties that they have faced and will continue to face the rest of their lives. Um, but in that area... Uh, pastor Amirudin is the head pastor of this whole region. I met another uh, man. He's a, he's a short guy, about this tall. I'm supposed to say we call those people height challenge today, right? Is that the word? Uh, height challenge. He's about that tall. He went to our Bible school, graduated. 
In three years, he has planted a church among a people, and they, it's a hundred people attend that church now. They have built the foundation of the church. They have the pillars. I think when the church is done, it'll hold 200 people. And he is uh, assisted by a man who is blind but can sing beautifully and play the guitar and play the keyboard. And these two people working together, Filippos is the pastor, and Andreas is the other guy, together they have planted this church in just three years. And they have also planted a daughter church that has also built their own building. The, um, I taught a seminar for three days to about 15 leaders in that area. And at the end, Andreas uh, stood up and uh, he said, I've helped plant another church. Now I want to go out and plant a church myself. Do you have a plan for me to go out and plant a church? And this is a man who can't see physically but I think he sees very well spiritually, doesn't he? We have that verse in, in Hebrews where Moses persevered because he saw him who is invisible. And as I was sitting there listening to Andrea say that, I thought, this is a guy who sees who, him who is invisible. I think he sees a lot more than the rest of us, even though he can't see physically. And Pastor Ami Rudin, he's a real visionary. By the time I left that area... He had already assigned Andreas and his wife and daughter to another area to plant a new church. And this is the kind of people that uh, we work with over there in Indonesia. These are people who want to serve the Lord. They see themselves as God's fellow workers. And they're willing to put their lives on the line to serve Jesus Christ. You know, the work God gives us, it is... Uh, a few things about the work. First, it's assigned by God. If you look at 1 Corinthians 3.5, this passage, it says, um, Only servants through whom you came to believe, as the Lord assigned each his task. If God gives you a job to do, he has assigned it to you. It's not something you thought of yourself. It's something God wants you to do. Whether it's in this church, in the surrounding community, it's work that he has given you. Secondly, I can say it's prepared in advance for us to do. Do you know Ephesians 2, 8 and 9? It's a pretty common verse we use, right? For by grace you have been saved through faith, and this not of yourselves, it is the free gift of God. Not by works lest any man should boast. But then what's Ephesians 2, 10? Right? He, that he has give, he has, uh, we have been, we are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus to do good works which he prepared in advance for us to do. In other words, the moment that we accept Christ, we had a very good testimony there from Jake. Thank you. Welcome to the body of Christ. And I, uh, the moment you believed, God already had a plan for your life. He knows who you are. He knows your strengths. He knows your fears. He knows your weaknesses. And he will prepare, uh, he will tailor a ministry that he wants you to do, something he wants you to do with your life. And that's the way God is with every one of us. The moment we believed, God already has a plan for what we can do. This is God's work prepared for us. And our work, I would also say, identifies us as members of the body of Christ. A, uh, one of those sweeping passages of the Apostle Paul, Titus 2.14, it talks about Jesus Christ gave himself for us to redeem us from all wickedness and to purify for himself a people that are his very own, eager to do what is good. And so other versions say zealous for good works. But God is creating a people of his own in this world. We call it the body of Christ. And we are people who are identified in what way? We are eager or zealous 
to do the work of God. That's who we are. That's, that identifies us. And so we do this work. This, this is the work God has given us. And the work must be done together. We work together to accomplish the task. Just as we work together, you help to support a mission and we, in Things to Come Mission, send out missionaries. Um, in the Philippines, we had, I think, 421 pastors were registered, eight from Indonesia, two from Cambodia. We had missionaries from Kenya, South Africa, Malaysia, and Australia. And they have their, their vision there is called TCM Impact. Impact stands for, I must plant a church today. I must plant a church today. That's pretty serious. Are you... <laughs> Uh, but uh, I don't know if they do that every day, but they have this plan. They have 23 regions, and each region is going to plant one church per year for five years. That's 115 new churches in five years. And just this past year, they planted 19 new churches in the Philippines. About every two weeks, somewhere in the world, one to two weeks, TCM plants a church somewhere in the world. Um, the second point I want to bring out here is that God's building must be built with quality. If we look at verse 9, it says we are God's field, God's, uh, we are God's fellow workers, you are God's field, God's building. The building is where we live, and we need to build our building with quality. How much are we willing to invest in God's building? You know, my mother and father were the first missionaries of Things to Come Mission. My dad just passed away on May 20th last year. And when they got on Social Security, they determined that they would live on Social Security. So they still get support through Things to Commission. Every month they sit down with their statement and they would give away every last cent that was sent to them to some other ministry in the world. Missionaries, pastors, projects, uh, field support, general fund, whatever. They would give away the whole thing. That's the kind of people they were, they called it their happy giving. And they had great joy in giving that away every month. I was in Indonesia. I went to a beautiful church building. I said, how did you build this church building when the church was just planted five years ago? They said, there's a wealthy man in the next church, Grace Church, in the big city. He said, if you plant a church in this town, I will build the building for that church. So the pastors, young pastors from the Bible school went out and they planted the church. I don't know, about 60, 70 people attend there. And this guy built a beautiful building, paid for it himself in that place. And it's, it's I wish I had a picture to show you, but it's pretty amazing. Um, what are we willing to give to God? You know, I remember that story of, of Abraham and Isaac. You know, Abraham must have dearly loved Isaac after waiting all those years for a son. Can you imagine how he doted on that boy and how much he loved him? Must have been tremendous. And yet, what, what did God tell him to do one day? Uh, it's one of those hard stories in the Bible. Have you ever read that and wondered, wow, did God really say that? But God did say it. Take your son to the mountain and sacrifice him. You know, it's almost like a choice. Who do you love more, Abraham? Me or your son? Do you trust me? Do you have faith in me? And Abraham was left with a choice, and praise the Lord, he passed that, right? And he's called the father of all those who have faith today, and his faith was credited as righteousness. Um, the, the work of the Lord, it needs our time. It needs our energy. It needs our best. 
And it's my prayer that we will invest our best in the Lord. You know, one of the best things we invest is our kids, right? I remember one day my daughter and son-in-law invited Joyce and me over to their house. And they gave us a nice breakfast and then they said, we have an announcement. We are going to be missionaries. And you know, I was excited. I was happy about that. But at the same time, I thought, you know what? Our precious grandchildren, they're going to grow up somewhere else, right? I'm not going to see them grow up. We might see them every, every four years or so. Are we willing to invest our children in the work of the Lord? And for Joyce and I, the answer is yes, but I do know people who don't want their children to be in the ministry. They might be poor. They might live far away. They might face difficulties. But you know, to me, the greatest thing we can give is to give our children for the Lord's service. And I think that's one of the lessons we can learn from the story of Abraham. And then finally, I say, where is God's field? Where is God's field? Because Paul talks about the field of God. And Jesus Christ talked about, look at the fields, that they are white for harvest. You know, we, there's no question we need solid Christian teaching in our country. I mean, I don't want to discourage you with statistics about America, but the statistics are very serious for America right now. We are living in a country that is declining spiritually. And I am glad we have churches like this and we need many more Christians to be making an impact in the United States of America. This is the country that has done the most for the name of Jesus Christ around the world. I mean, there's no one who has come close to what America has done to take this message to the ends of the earth. But I'm telling you what's happening now within our own country. It's serious. It's serious. And I don't want to to dwell on that but I'm glad you're here and you're standing for the truth. I went to this shirt I'm wearing. It's uh, from a tribe called Toraja in central Indonesia. And there was a church there. The front of the church had been bombed by the Muslims on a a, a Muslim terrorist. I like to make that distinction because there's plenty of Muslims who want to live a peaceful life, but there there is a terrorist element among them. They had bombed a church early on a Sunday morning No people were killed, but the front of the church was destroyed. And so the eight churches in that suburb, uh, they said, let's have a unity meeting and show, show unity in the face of people attacking our churches. And so they, these eight churches, the Grace Church, there helped to organize the meeting. And a thousand people came to this meeting and they asked me to speak on resurrection. Because even though they were from different denominations, that's something we can all agree on, right? Is Jesus alive? He better be. We're wasting a lot of time here if he's still a pile of bones in Jerusalem somewhere. Okay? He is alive. He's powerful. He's coming again. And that was one thing we could all agree on in that service. There were people from many denominations, and even some of the Muslims who did not agree with the bombing, they came to the service as well. And they gave me the privilege of speaking, and I did speak on resurrection, and I spoke on the righteousness that comes by faith, not by works. And at the end of it, they gave me this shirt. But they, many of the people there were from the Toraja tribe. A hundred years ago, the missionaries went to the Toraja. They were pagans. I mean, they worshipped spirits and trees and stuff. The missionaries went there. The whole tribe accepted Jesus Christ as their Savior. The whole tribe a hundred years ago, says, yes, we believe in Jesus. And as one, 
they all came to Jesus Christ. Of course, that was 100 years ago. Every generation has to be evangelized. But one of the reasons that I'm involved in mission is that there are places where there is a lot of Christian influence. There is a chance for people to hear about Jesus Christ. But there's places on the world, in the world where people will live their whole lives and they will die and they will never once hear the name Jesus Christ. Not once. And I have met some of these people. They will not once hear the name Jesus Christ and they will not hear the gospel of Jesus Christ preached to them. And that's why I love mission. I love my country, America, and I want to see America stand for Christian values. But when there is someone, say, here who's heard the gospel ten times and rejected it ten times, and there's someone over there in Thailand who will never hear the gospel, never, unless someone goes there and preaches to them, I have to think to myself, where should I invest my time? Where should I invest my resources? And I have to say, we need missionaries, and we need to keep sending out missionaries, because there are millions and millions of people in this world who are without Jesus Christ, and we can make a difference. The message you preach here can be preached to them. I'll just close with, my time is up, I'll close with the story of Pastor Roberto, or Roberto, in uh, Portuguese it's Roberto. Uh, he was a man I met back in 2005 when I went to Recife in Brazil. And he was a, a young pastor, younger than me, and he was a very, he just loved the Lord. I mean, his whole life was for serving the Lord. And he went about three years ago or four years ago, he made the decision to move with his wife and two children to a new city where there was no Grace Church, and he started preaching the gospel. And he was able to establish a church. I went to a conference and his church uh, brought their whole bus uh, full of people uh, in this brand new church. They brought them to the conference and worshiped together with us. And he was a man who was, he just, everything about him, he wanted to see people come to know Jesus Christ. And I got the sad news about two weeks ago. He's just 39 years old. He died of heart failure. And I tell you, at the time, I was, I have to say I questioned God. Uh, that's okay, right? David questioned God, didn't he? Seriously at times. And I'd say, God, how could you take him out of that work? He was such a valuable person. We need him in the ministry. How can he be gone? And uh, I praise the Lord for the work he did, but 39 years old, he had so many years left. But I encourage us, we're here, aren't we? We're sitting here in this church today. You can talk. You can walk. You're alive. Today's the day to serve the Lord while well, we can. Because I will tell you one day, I remember my father, one day he was talking, one day he preached us a wonderful message from John 3.16. The next day he had a stroke. He never talked the rest of his life. All of us will come to the day when we will not talk again. Right? All of us will reach that point. But today is the day when we can talk. And let's be proclaiming the name of Jesus Christ to the lost while we can. So thank you again for your support. It's wonderful to be here with you. And let us keep going out to the regions beyond together. Let me close in prayer. Our precious Heavenly Father, it's a tremendous privilege for us to be called your fellow workers. We feel inadequate 
we, we feel like we don't have the strength, the level of spirituality we need to have that role. And yet, Lord, you said you will come down and work beside us, stand beside us through every trial, every difficulty, and then also through all the joys that are there in serving you. And I thank you for Berean Bible Church, and they are a pillar of mission, really, in America, uh, one of the great missionary-sending churches. And I thank you for the people of this church, and I pray that they will continue to have that desire to impact their neighborhood and to the ends of the earth. Be with us through the rest of the day, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.